Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 50, 50 fucking hell, of Link to the Cast. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am each and every week in this weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, by my co-host, Mark Robinson, Platforming Prodigy. Mark, how are you? Hola! Happy New Year. Happy New... Well, I mean... That's well, our first show of 2017, I was going to say, it doesn't feel that new anymore. Our first camera Like, you can ask me about Christmas, and that is legit going to be <laughs> nearly four weeks ago coming up. Indeed, yeah. yeah. It's pretty shocking. Um, on the show this week, uh, Season of the Switch, as Nintendo unveils their new console, what we've been playing over Christmas, uh, indie developers threatening blacklisting, uh, the worst trailer ever, and a book club that uh, features a look at one of my favourite FPSs of all time, Perfect Dark. Mark, how have you been? How's life treating you lately? Not bad. Like, Christmas was good. New Year's yeah. was good. It was um, quiet, spending with the girlfriend's family, uh, a lot of good food. Uh, I got bought a vinyl player, which is nice because I've purchased two vinyl players in my lifetime and neither of them were for me. So <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're vinyling wrong. Yeah, you could say that. And I, I will say that the Blue Album by Weezer sounds very good when coming out of the vinyl player. Yeah, you've, uh, you, you, you've you picked a good time to get one because uh, I was reading an article in The Guardian the other day saying that uh, 2017 uh, vinyl is about to become another billion dollar industry again. You say that it's a good time to uh, pick it up, but you also realise I have no money to be this buying is true, vinyls. But, well, the, the thing is, because they're more ubiquitous now, they are getting cheaper. I think the first uh, vinyl I ever, I think the first vinyl I bought was like 35 40 quid and it wasn't it was very especially special vinyl and now you can pick a lot up in golden discs for about 20 quid yeah, so true, that's like true. you know that happens when the when the medium gets a bit more ubiquitous like I remember um when Jack White's album was Blunderbuss, the first one came out, it was the best-selling vinyl in over thirty years. Really? Because he was, you know, him and Third Man Records, yeah, like they sure. they've been doing that thing, and uh, he that album came out right as people were starting to get back into buying vinyl and vinyl players and all those suitcase vinyl players yeah, like I have. It's, it's interesting how um, like the CD format is is pretty much a dead medium at this point, and then vinyls mm. kind of come back in and. and it's like a, a large old dog that's just nestled I, down. I'm well positioned for the return of cassette tapes as well. That I'm not too sure about. The very first piece of music I ever bought with my own money was uh, a cassette tape. And it was um, the the single for Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz. I, I, I had a couple of cassette tapes. I'm pretty yeah. sure the first piece of music I ever bought was the single for Pretty Fly for a white guy. <laughs> Yeah, I think the second cassette I bought was Weedus Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> I think Jack might have that as well, actually. The yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Jack might have that, or he might yeah. have had it on CD. And then the first album I bought was White Blood Cells with White Stripes. Uh, fair, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, 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 it's, it's been good. What about yourself? You're free, you had your first game of the year recording with us as well. Yeah, that? yeah. They're a marathon session, aren't they? Even more so than last year, but that was going to happen when we had a fourth person on. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty lengthy. It was pretty intense. It um, got heated. Got heated. Uh, just well, a plug that it's still up on the, the website, the SoundCloud, let's and the be iTunes. Honest, between the four of us, let's we, not spoil what won. We, we knew what it was going to come down we, to. I think we all knew. If you listened to us during the year, you knew what the final two were going to be. So. Yeah, and I, I'm saying it now. I only admitted defeat because I wanted the fucking thing to be finished. Because <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had yeah, got it was a war of attrition. Of, yeah, it was a loggerheads at the end there. So, yeah. but it was it a got, good, it good got, time. Yeah, a couple of categories got pretty heated, which is good because I think. 
um there wasn't like uh, the only conflict that came in last year's one was when i had to choose the winner last year because we were deadlocked and there was only three of us yeah Uh, but it wasn't the heated kind of deadlock it was it was a healthy debate i would suggest that either next year we go back to three or we go to five because it makes it a lot easier to pick a game to split (laughs) well you see for everything book game of the year it was handy because if we had a tie we just announced two winners yeah you know so uh but anyway uh yeah i've been um i've had a good christmas good new year's seen a couple of things that i wanted to talk about just for a couple of minutes uh i went to see uh martin scorsese's new film uh silence last week in the cinema it's been out since i think new year's day or the second it's liam neeson andrew garfield adam driver oh, are in it. yeah yeah, yeah. it's one of Neeson's in like four fucking films at the moment. yeah well he's barely in this film uh, okay. i think he's in like three scenes but um he's good in it but um it's uh i was interested to see it because i love martin scorsese as a filmmaker i think he always makes interesting films even when they aren't the best um like there's a couple of films i don't really jive with like i'm not a huge fan of gangs in new york but uh i really appreciate the craft and um like all the stories he told about how they genuinely they found like wax cylinders with uh recording because everyone was like weirded out by daniel day lewis's strange accent in that film if you remember as bill the butcher and apparently what Scorsese had done was... Daniel was being weird in general. <laughs> yeah, Scor- Scorsese had found, way. like, uh, wax cylinders that had, like, some of the earliest recordings of people in the continental US, and he patterned his voice on them. Oh, nice, okay. But, uh, like, so he always makes interesting films, and he always, like, he's he's real dedicated to the craft, like, no detail is overlooked. Um, Like, some of my favourite filmmakers are the ones that really get pedantic about the details, like Kubrick or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> this is one, Silence, which is about Christian missionaries in Japan and um scorsese has been trying to make this for a couple of decades and he keeps getting knocked back because it's not a very um it's not like the departed it's not like wolf of wall street this isn't going to bring the punters in mm. to go look at this how fun this looks like it's a fucking it's a tough film um so i saw that and it's like it's tough in a lot of ways it's tough is the subject matter and it's tough uh because it's nearly three hours long as well and it's not three hours where there's kind of like <laughs> comedy interludes like there is in the wolf of wall street yeah. you know where people are you know it's there are kind of moments where it comes down but this is like pretty much like a full-on onslaught about kind of the persecution that um christian missionaries face trying to bring christianity to japan um and it's kind of weird like i, I don't want to talk about it for long but the, the performances in it are great andrew garfield in particular who i thought it was going to take a, a big effort to come back from the amazing spider-man 2 which i seemed like to have, that i'm the only one that i liked like that the film. first one yeah uh, and i like some aspects of the second one I, but it is it has a hot mess as well I'm, at the same time um look, i've seen his performance is great films. adam driver is great liam neeson when he's in it is great the japanese cast are great um but it, it's a tough film to watch it's not one that i'd recommend as like a popcorn film or anything like that but it's interesting i wasn't well, jiving with it for a while because it started out with a like i thought the message of the film for a long time i'm not going to get into the plot details but i thought the, the message of the film for a long time was going to be that oh the christian missionaries weren't that bad and i was like oh, i'm not so sure about that yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but then it kind of like it turns in the final act with the things that are happening and turns into a kind of um like all it, the message i took from it is that all religion is equally destructive depending on whose hands it's in yeah i can go with that uh so by the end it had the message had redeemed itself for me but the performances are great it's a great film and then the other thing i saw uh, and it's this has been on my to-do list for a long time but i picked them up on blu-ray over christmas uh penny dreadful 
which is the uh, the, sh- oh, yeah, the yeah. Showtime and Sky One joint. That's, uh, Eve Green. Uh, Eve Green, uh, Timothy Dalton, um, Ethan, uh, not Ethan Hawke, Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. the guy yep. who isn't Ethan Hawke, the other guy. Uh, Josh Hartnett, um, Billy Piper. Billy Piper? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rory Kinnear, who you might know best as the Prime Minister of the Fuck the Pig in Black Mirror. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and a couple of other heads. And it's based on kind of like Victorian horror stories and... Uh, Victor Frankenstein makes an appearance. Appearance Dorian Gray. Um, it's all supernatural and shit like that. Period drama. Uh, it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you like it that well because it's you're not big on the the horror. Like it's not jump scare horror. Like it's Dave. A, it has Eva Green. <laughs> this is true. And Billy Piper. This is true. Uh, it's like it's, it's kind of it's will. it's on the schlocky side of horror. It's kind of like um. Not B movie level, but it is definitely like a a bit campy and and, and okay. silly. They play it dead straight, but it's just kind of I don't know something is, is a little bit silly. But I I really like the, it. Um, it's really really gorgeous looking. What was like it's... the the film we watched? Um, oh, Crimson Peak. Yeah, Crimson Peak. Oh God, I love it, that movie so much. Because like from what I can see, that's from... that's the kind of tone. I was going to say it's from... it, it's not as expensive looking as that, but no, it's no, not no, a million but I was miles say, from off. The box either. art cover it has uh, certainly from um, the kind of visual design the clothes yeah. the, the yeah. yeah that kind you've, of thing you've, you've nailed it there yeah okay, so cool. like it's 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 not as pretty looking because there are very few people who can make something look as gorgeous as Guillermo del Toro does yeah, right. but it's really really good and the performances are really great and the more films I see her in the more I realise that Eva Green is one of the great underrated acting talents of her yeah, generation I'll, I'll like she's brilliant in everything, and she's uh-huh. kind of one of the people. And I'm not saying this in a like in the pervy way you will infer it. Please do. But she's someone that like if she's on the screen acting, you're not paying attention to the other actors because her performance, not because you're staring at her, but her performance is. She's one of these actors that's just completely magnetic and steals whatever scene she's Look, in. Ten years later, me and Nina are still dealing with her death <laughs> in Casino Royale. Right. Um, there's like well, there's there's one scene in season one. I'm on season two now. There's one scene in season one with her uh, being possessed that's just fucking like it's just all scenery has been chewed by the yeah. end of it but uh yeah well, I, so, I, I saw moana so that's on par oh so good yeah it's good it's like visually um it's a really impressive film like mm. the the work with um the kind of traditional uh haiti hawaiian what am i trying to say hawaiian. yeah hawaiian. um actually no it's it's pacific islands oh, pacific islands of course the, yeah. the tattoo like the work and how yeah they kind of do that uh, is really really impressive The Rock is great and, uh, yeah he's very good actually. and so is Jermaine from Flight of the Concords as the crab yeah I didn't realise it was him yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all I knew as soon as I was like I, I said to Emma in the cinema I was like this sounds like a Flight of the Concords song and I was like that's Jermaine yeah, that's yeah. amazing <laughs> anyway uh, moving on we've got to play him this week hey check it out I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2 Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing this week, my friend? Uh, I have for the last two weeks now. Um, usually when I'm given a game to review for at Pocket Tactics on Twitter, uh, and usually I review it, I play it, review it, and then I move along. But uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic has its claws in deep. See, I never, like... <sighs> These, like, the tycoons and the theme hospital and stuff like that, I've never, they've never, like, I appreciate them, and I'll play them for a little while. Um, Like, I played one SimCity game, I was down, 
in my cousin's house for a week in Cork once and I think I spent most of the week playing it on his computer but uh, apart from that and I remember my best friend that lived around the corner when I was a kid he had theme hospital and that was funny yeah but other than that these kind of games never really so I had the original theme park on my PS1 way back in the day and I didn't really know what I was doing with it because I was young and, and and didn't know better so uh, I also had the cheat code to give myself infinite money and all the rides straight away. So <laughs> me and my sister, who was two years younger, we would just kind of fuck around and make like whatever park we wanted to make, uh, which mm. in its own kind of creative way was was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's equivalent now of Minecraft's creative mode, where yeah, just kind of. like they just give you all everything. Yeah, to see what fucked up. When we was make. having to make business transactions over a stack of biscuits that were slowly kind of disappearing, we didn't realize <laughs> the kind of ramifications of that. Uh, but so roller coaster tycoon series. Uh, that originally came around in 1999, and uh, there was a couple of games, and then it made its way over to mobile. So there are two games that I was aware of. Um, so I didn't really touch the the Roller Coaster Tycoon series either. Jack is more into that series in particular, mm-hmm. but I have an affinity for these games. Um, there was Roller Coaster Tycoon Three, uh, which I believe was ported to mobile, which was okay. But there was also Rollercoaster Tycoon for mobile, which was a really just like a prime example of uh, free to play done wrong. Um, like you know, you would build a ride, and then you would have to wait fifteen minutes for that ride to be implemented. But you could also purchase these tickets to make the process of that speed up. Just yeah. every kind of trick in the book. Uh, just a really bad uh, game in that regards. With this, uh, so uh, the developer Origin Eight. They've taken the first two games essentially, and they've just kind of bundled it in a package, put it on for sale for five ninety nine, which sounds pretty steep. But basically, you get about ninety different scenarios, um, and these scenarios are essentially you are given a park in a different, varying state of uh, completion, and then you are given the task of having X amount of uh, customers in the park by whatever, however many years down the line, and a particular park rating. And so park rating, uh, that is judged by uh, like the cleanliness and the safe safetyness of the park. So you need to hire the right people to uh, kind of keep that in track. And then get more visitors in is essentially just having places for these customers to walk and having uh, the rides in there. And so uh, usually either you are given a park that's completed and you don't have uh, any kind of grant or loan to work with and you just work off the rides and get the money from them or you're given a, a grant of 10 grand and then you have a kind of uh, a patch of land, start building the rides, start investing in other rides um, and you know make your money up that way. And it's it's super super addictive because it's very simple. Um, like you think with this kind of management sim PC kind of game, there's going to be a shit ton of menus and uh, spreadsheets or information like a kind mm. of football manager. But it's not like that at all. Um, I don't know how much of it is them ch- changing the UI to fit for mobile, but the UI is really simple, effective, chunky, uh, easy to work with. Um, it only has two problems that. Are kind of apparent. One is that because it's touchscreen, sometimes like if you have a really big roller coaster, the sort of center point of it when you're trying to put it down doesn't always kind of land where you want it to, and that's a bit of a problem if you've got like a tight area of space and you're trying to get the roller coaster in there. Sometimes it kind of goes to the left, sometimes it goes to the right, and so nothing ever feels kind of correct in trying to place the roller coaster down. But it's not broken by any means. 
the frame rate it can get a little bit janky when your park gets busy. Um, mm -hmm. When you kind of zoom out and you can look at the whole park, you can see there's a little bit of slowdown. It's not game breaking, but you do notice it. Uh, when you zoom into specific areas, the frame rate kind of picks up again. Uh, and you spend quite a lot of time zooming into particular areas anyway, so it's not that much of a problem. Uh, the one big problem is that you have uh, the tabs for uh, like rides and your workers. And if you tap on the one for your workers, it gives you a pop-up window and it gives you uh, all the different kind of workers you can have and the ones that you have currently hired. And if you tap on one of the workers that you have currently hired, brings up another pop-up window of like a live feed of where they are in the park at that particular time. And you can manually move them around or you can uh, set like a path for them so they only work in a particular area. Problem is, not so much of a problem for me because I'm playing on my big old Samsung tablet, but for someone who's playing on like their mobile, that takes up a lot of the screen. And the reason that you're going to go to one of your workers is that a ride in one part of the park has broken down and you want to quickly get your engineer who's in the other part of the park and drag him over there so you can mm -hmm. go and fix it. But those two windows alone kind of take up the whole of the screen and so it's a bit of annoy a bit annoying trying to drag down and, and make the space available to, to move them. So it'd be nice if there was a little bit of customization in having the windows a particular size or something along those lines that's kind of locked in a way that you don't have to constantly go in and out of closing a window and, and whatever else. Um, but other than that, it's, it's good. It's fun. Like, I've only done about 10 scenarios. Like, I'm going to be playing this game for a, a while. Yeah. Uh, but it's super satisfying when you kind of really notice the turnover when the, the park starts getting busy and the way that you can kind of intertwine paths in a particular way and create some really interesting scenarios. Um, and the, the designs of the roller coasters are really cool. Um there's a couple of expansions for like one ninety nine to add more scenarios, and you can pay another five ninety nine, which gets you a toolkit. So you can make your custom roller coasters, and you can implement your save files from roller coasters one and two from the PC back in the day. You can <laughs> drag them over onto mobile, which is pretty insane. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, it's super super good. So uh, go and play it. Hmm. Uh, I've been playing. <clears throat> I've had my hand on a couple of different things uh, over the Christmas and New Year's period. Um, one of them is uh, a Bioshock Infinite remastered again. I'm a big fan of. Mm -hmm. uh, going for my second platinum at that game. Yeah, you are. Trophies stack. Yeah. So <clears throat> to platinum that game, you have to play it twice through. Once to beat it on any difficulty, so you can unlock 1999 mode. And then the 1999 mode is the one where that's the one that has the challenging trophies associated sure. with. The the two big ones being beat the game on 1999 mode and beat the entire game on 1999 mode without using any of the machines. Yeah. Um, so I just did my normal playthrough, beat it in a couple of days. One thing I hadn't noticed is that I, so I did my first platinum run of that. Um, I don't know if we'd even started the podcast at that point. Um, so it would be two years ago then. No, cause the game wouldn't have been out at that point. Oh, no, sorry, no, I mean um, on the original version. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, cause yeah. the game came out in 2013. Yes, of course. Sorry. Um, so, uh, I had, hadn't played it since I did the platinum run because I did the platinum run and burnt myself out because it was very, very difficult. Yeah, that'll happen. Didn't want to touch it for a while. <laughs> uh, and since the re-release, I was trying to play Bioshock 1 first. But all of a sudden, like, I don't know why, over the Christmas, I came up with the idea that I really wanted to play it again. Um, <clears throat> and even despite the fact I haven't touched it in, the, say, a year and a half, um, in spite of the fact I hadn't touched it in that long, uh, and in spite, in spite of all that, uh, I... <laughs> 
I have kind of broken myself on that game by playing it on 99 mode because now going through and playing it on normal, it was just ridiculously easy the whole <laughs> playthrough. As I had enough time to just calmly stand and pop off headshots left, right, and center. Um, one of the things that makes the PS4 version much easier uh, than the PS3 version is that the you know the Lutesses, the the scientists, mm-hmm. the crazy, yep. the, the weirdos who are some like they're two of my favorite characters in any game ever because they're just anytime they pop up and they're just mental. Um. The first time they pop up and give you one of the infusions that upgrades your salts or your shield or your health in the PS4 version to reward you for getting the remaster, they fill that room because they give you the first infusion in a bar in a building, like right after the the fair where you throw the tennis ball or don't. Um, And um, in that room in the PS4 version, they offer you four additional infusions. So if you use it right, and what you should be doing is it's straight away putting them all into your shield so that it takes ages for your shield to be broken and for your health to be damaged in any significant way. By the time you leave that room, this is 45 minutes into the game, or uh, maybe an hour and a half if you're really combing around for voxophones and stuff, um, you are halfway to the full capacity of your shield. So like the difficulty curve just disappears mm. for a long, long time. Um, one of the things I really appreciate they they have done a good job gussying that up for PS4 which is what I the main reason I wanted to bring that up um, I, I feel like the original Bioshock was prettied up a bit like a bit of a kind of spit shine on it would be the best description I could put yeah, it yeah that was the one I spent the most time into it, it certainly looks better I yeah. can't argue that it looks better specifically better than the PS3 version which was janky as all fucking hell hmm. uh, for anyone that ha- was subjected to playing that early on PS3 um but Bioshock Infinite, by virtue of the fact, probably, it was nearly... The PS4 was nearly out when that game came out. So it isn't that long ago. It doesn't take much to go back into the architecture and make that look prettier. So it's about the equivalent of what the PC version looked like at the time in yeah, 2013. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, that was up there with one of the best-looking games of the last generation. Yes, yes. You know? uh, it looks really good. It performs better. Um, it feels good. It's one of the least... Because I played a lot of remasters in 2016, uh, and it's one of the least overtly there's something about the remasters that i could it just feels last generation something about those games most of the time like the uncharted games or uh the first dishonored or well, any anything i've played from the ps3 the generation original shock in that collection yeah there's just a certain feeling like whether yeah. it's a floatiness or something where or uh, there's a certain rigidness to yeah. a certain degree and like there's sometimes you'll see certain textures which are stretched out a little bit too much yeah. or whatever I, the, the, the one from the original Bioshock that you pointed out was the water looked silly yeah uh, whereas the water oh. in Bioshock Infinite looks fantastic well it's not even that there's a bit in the game where you can see where two water textures are kind of colliding against yeah. each yeah, other it's like something out of fucking again I bring it up but Minecraft uh, where yeah, like sure. if you yeah. don't have a uh, like even they which, start flowing into each other yeah really. which is fine in a game like Minecraft yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other game I have been playing a lot of the last few days is Watch Dogs 2 I which I talked about my early forays into that a couple of hours I played of it have you finished that yet? no okay. there's a lot in that game okay Um, I, I played it for a couple of hours before Christmas and then because we had so much stuff to t- cover and finish for game of the year I just kind of put it to a side once I got a flavour for it Um, I, I talked at the time about how I really like that game and I think it's a lot better than the original Watch Dogs I didn't realise how much better it is than the original Watch Dogs so they really got into it. I mean, it. think about the curve that we're creating yeah, in here. Like it's, well, you see, I wasn't one of the real Watch Dogs haters. I, like, I was disappointed by it, don't get me wrong, but I didn't think it was nearly as bad as a fair amount of people do. Mm. Um, I, Brian really likes it. I, I was kind of like, eh, I hated 
Aiden Pierce, the protagonist. I think that was a general consensus. Everybody, I think that that was the main thing. Um, And I think the first act of the game dragged like a real long time. But after that first act of the game, I think there's eight acts in it because they actually call them acts and everything. Um, After that first act, once it starts to kick into gear, it's actually pretty good. Um, But there wasn't nearly enough of the really good stuff in it uh, to make it a proper good game. But this is fucking. My time has been flying by on this um doing all sorts of crazy stuff like the 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 color really helps the fact there's a really nice gorgeous color palette in it the fact that no one really takes themselves too seriously the fact that like there's so many dead on spot on pastiches of just silicon valley douches and hipster douches all the cavalcade of douches it's like it's actually surprisingly for um, a, a, a triple A game. It's it's just a spot on parody on a level that like GTA do good. I was going to say, parodies. is it like because there's that that kind of? It's a bit more pointed than GTA because GTA I think is almost like a South Park kind of parody. Almost because like they, there's that isolated bit in GTA Five where they kind of harp on that Silicon Valley. There's the bit where you infiltrate. Mm. Um, oh, what was the name of the group that you infiltrate and then you blow? Up I can't write another one. You blow up the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. and like there's a couple of those sort of Life Invader. Life Invader, yeah, yeah, but there's those kind of tech hipster scumbags in yeah. there. Um, but all that is cool. I got to infiltrate the the game's equivalent of Scientology. Okay. Because obviously right. it's set in California, yeah, so there's sure. a Scientology church there. It's cool <laughs> as well, knowing, having been in San Francisco, seeing all the stuff that's around that I recognize. Sure. It's actually a really good, like, one-to-one in a lot of places with San Francisco. The one that was particularly struck by Alcatraz, so the Alcatraz Island is in it. And it's literally, I remember exactly, like, the gift shops and the bookshops are exactly where they were when I was there. Like, it's, 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 they did a really good job of mapping the whole it's city. It's why I'm hoping we at some point get a game of that kind of description set in London. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the last but, one... Yeah, can... people are really excited uh, because there was rumour about the Getaway 3. Well, I was going to say, because the last one I remember set in London was the Getaway on the PS2. And let's Black be, Monday. Let's be honest. Bad. It's It's not a one-to-one like for like of no. London. <laughs> um, my final my, my final thoughts on it, like, it's really fun. I would recommend keeping an eye out. If it comes on sale, pick it up. Uh, it'll scratch that GTA itch. And the best way to play that game, I have found out, is to play it uh, with the sound down and run the jewels on Spotify. Uh, I mean, you could say that fits for, really well. You could probably set it for most games. Yeah, but it fits really well with the aesthetic of the game. Oh, I sure. Think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on uh, to the news. News on the mark. Nintendo did a thing. Yeah. Well, we knew it was coming anyway. Yeah, so. we we've known for over a month. No, over two months, I'd say. When was the Direct that announced when the Switch was coming? It was about two months ago, was it? Well, it was the announcement of this, like, Direct <coughs> they were doing was a while ago. Yeah, they revealed the Switch and said the information yeah, was coming in the Direct. Because remember, sure. there, was the, there was the trailer with the guys out playing NBA 2K at an actual basketball yeah, court. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that trailer. Yeah. Um, so, I stayed up. I was I was live tweeting it sort of mm-hmm. like when I was trying to fight falling back asleep because it was on a stupid at <laughs> what yeah what time four a.m. because that was and it was like an hour and fifteen minutes long yeah because it was like Japan time and fuck yeah, the rest of it was on so. for the, the Japanese markets as it turns out they mightn't have helped that much no. <laughs> but um so they they basically they revealed in at times almost excessive detail 
I, I feel they dwelled a lot. One of my critiques of the thing. I think this would have worked better as a standard direct, by the way, rather than a press conference. Because mm-hmm. they tried to do it like a press conference, like an E3 press conference. Yeah. But I think they've actually really honed the art of those directs. And I think maybe this would have worked better as a concise 45 minute long direct without people talking. Much as I was provided some great entertainment by people that were here. Um, so well, I mean, technically they were press conferences because they did have events going on in London and New York. So, yeah. you know, um, it's kind of half and half. So, uh, the big details. Uh, $300 or... 279 euro. 279 euro. Um, in around that for pounds Yeah, which well. is a little... Well, I mean, at this point, when it comes to pounds... Yeah, it's uh, well, I, uh, as of this the morning, the... the, the the euro is above the pound. Yeah. Um, Let's not <laughs> that, please. But um, it's but, coming out March 3rd. Yeah. Um, I think the big swerve that people might not necessarily have been expecting because the scuttlebutt only came out about one of these uh, a couple of days beforehand is that Nintendo, uh, and we'll come to Super Mario in a minute, but Super Mario has miss, missed the launch. That was the one we thought oh, was going to be a launch. Yeah. It's going to be Christmas this year. Yeah. Christmas 2017 or holiday 2017. So that November to December corridor. Which I actually, I don't think is that bad. No, I'll, I'll get to, we'll get because to yeah, yeah. I, I want to kind of get to the information yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the reaction to the information kind of is what I want to do. Uh, so 3rd of March. Um, oh, what's our, hold on there now. Our launch lineup on the day is going to be... Uh, Oh yeah, that's the one, yeah. So Mario missed the launch day, mm-hmm. but Zelda is hitting launch day. Yeah, which I'm surprised by. That's a that's a I'm a, that's a trade off I'll take. I, I to be fair, I think they probably realise if one if Do you know if one of these misses, the other one has to hit. Yeah, well the thing was, like looking back on it now, it kinda makes sense because we know that Breath of the Wild is far enough along that we've actually seen that game. True. But until <laughs> until yeah, yeah, yeah. like we hadn't seen any significant portion of the Mario game until this direct. Yeah, we'd I'm, seen a little clip of it. I'm just surprised that, um, that it, it is hitting uh, the launch window just because mm. it's two games. You know, yeah, uh, it's they, two skews. They're doing yeah. Twilight Princess on it, uh, but at the same time, they're not having to like invert the game because one mm-hmm. is motion controlled and one's not. So I don't know how much extra work has had to go into porting them but you know whatever the other games that are going to be out on launch day are uh, 1-2 Switch which we'll talk about in a minute Mm -hmm. Super Bomberman R which came out of fucking nowhere yeah well because we were despairing as to what was going to happen to Bomberman the fate of Bomberman well uh, because year. Konami yeah Konami took took it up and I just figured there'd be a pachinko machine and that'd be it yeah because it was what's their name Hudson Hudson yeah Yeah. that designed the first couple of Mario parties Uh, was it yeah Hudson did Mario Party oh really okay uh, and then along with those, we've got um, kind of reissues of Skylanders Imaginators, which just came out this Christmas. So that's relatively recent and Just Dance 4. Sure. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's your launch lineup. It's not heaving. Um, the, some of the other major details. So inside in the packet uh, with a thing, you're getting the Switch, which they're, they're referring to the Nintendo Switch as the tablet. Sure. So that's the Switch. Yeah. You're getting the dock. You're getting the Joy-Con grips, or no, they're just Joy-Cons, the two things that snap either side of it that you might have seen Mm. in the promotional material. You're getting the Joy-Con grip that those two uh, just nicely sit into as your default controller, Uh, your HDMI cable, your charging cable for the dock, and it will also just charge straight into the the Nintendo Switch as well when it's plugged out. Uh, And you're also getting, and I thought, like, 
classic Nintendo, I thought this was going to be something that was bundled outside the box, but it isn't. Uh, actual proper grips for the Joy-Cons. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, uh, like, as in wrist strap and uh, little kind of casing that goes around them. Um, well, which let, I actually think... Uh, go on, yeah. I was going to say, I, we'll get into the, some of the reactions now. Um, it's It doesn't surprise me that they've included those, because what surprised me about this uh, conference and the way that they angled the Switch is they were really <sighs> angling for a lot of that vibe of the original Wii in the kind mm. of, oh, look, it's it's, all, it's motion control and fun, which is not what I was expecting. And I think, to a certain degree, came off a little bit desperate yeah. um, because, it you know, obviously the Wii U was in some ways a failure from a business perspective, not from yeah. an enjoyment perspective. Um, so it does feel like, certainly with the original release as well, with the whole, hey, look, we can all play together. Yeah. And I'm not sure that is the way well, they should have been angling with this. No, I, I think what they've done is on some sort of business level, they've identified that the, the Xbox One and the PS4 aren't specifically targeting the casual gamers that we know exist because of how phenomenally successful the Wii was. Hmm. Uh, so they're that's who they're going for, clearly. Because the thing about it is, hardcore gamers, you and I, we're going to play the fucking thing regardless of like the like we played the fucking Wii U yeah sure do you know what I mean regardless of how unbelievably ridiculous that controller is I I didn't get one for like at least a year and partly that that was to do with again the the launch lineup which they've remedied to a certain degree because there's a Zelda game at the launch lineup yeah here's one of the things as well that I want to talk about while we're on the launch lineup those those, uh, five games I was pointing out here a lot of people were burying the launch lineup watching it on Twitter watching the the reaction in the couple of days and I think that's partly responsible for there was an 8% dip in Nintendo's uh, shares right after it was announced um but you got to remember as well nintendo are still kind of getting back to normal after the high of last year with pokemon go that company got inflated massively in value for a long time yeah uh so it's still coming kind of down to earth and uh investor expectations were always going to be ridiculous Um, but the thing is is like okay the launch lineup is very weak but But, it's not like there's no games coming you've got odyssey at christmas there's like they did the fire emblem directs uh today where they've got like a i think like three different games coming out here's the thing i wanted to point out someone said to me right um on twitter and it was a very very good point that i thought like people are going on about how the the Switch lineup is weak. And I, you know, I kind of thought, like, in the immediate reaction, watching everything on Twitter, I was like, yeah, kind of a little bit disappointed with that launch day lineup. And then at the same time, someone went, point out to me one game that came out at launch for Xbox One or PS4 that was half as good as Zelda. Oh, totally. Yeah, so... Well, like, you it can has, track that back to the PS3. Yeah, like, launch lineups in general yeah. for a long, long time uh, have yeah, been terrible. Yeah, believe me. Like, it, the, the things that I could complain about with the switch the launch lineup isn't one of them because there's no. a zelda game in there that's no. it that's all we need um the only thing i'm disappointed launch lineup wise is i was kind of surprised that one two switch isn't the pack in uh yeah and they're charging like 60 dollars for it yeah which is well fucking... actually depends on where you go because it is actually valued the the pre-order i got in uh it's like uh 15 quid less i that's standard game. still from yeah. what it looks like yeah, it's like it's it's a collection it's a collection mental. of mini games, but if it's I'm not expecting to be Wii Sports good. I think there's a lot of uh, potential. I think there's definitely a lot of potential with one two switch. Um I don't know, it just it looks gimmicky in a bad way. This the thing is like some of these games until you actually play them look stupid. 
I just I, I remember f- being all over Wii Sports. The it's not going to be Wii Sports. No, but the thing is, the thing with Wii Sports is that was both a very simple, uh, enjoyable game, mm. but it was also an instruction manual. You know. Yeah. And that's basically what. Yeah, but like we know what the fuck motion controls is are at this point. You know, it just it doesn't look anywhere near as. Um, Enjoyable as either the tennis or the bowling or whatever, no. or as um, kind of family friendly. If you want, yeah. it just looks. It, the, rep- the, the hands-on reports on One Two Switch are a lot better than uh, the immediate reaction to watching the video. Where people who are hands-on with it said it's actually like you won't see yourself picking it back up a month or two from now, like you will Wii Sports. But you'll certainly, um, it won't be like Nintendo Land where people got that and just never opened the package because no, sure. that was <laughs> dreadful. Um, so they're, they're coming out um, I think the other thing I was majorly disappointed at from the um, the, the conference was um, that the and this was kind of surprising I don't know if you saw this that the Joy-Con grip that comes with the uh, the console doesn't charge the Joy-Cons yeah uh, <laughs> so like to get the, the Joy-Con grip that actually charges you have to pay for it separately yeah, yeah of course but as I said when I went in I put a I put my money down on Zelda yesterday uh, in GameStop and I said, I said to the guy like when I think about it it's not really surprising because this came from the company that uh, decided to take the chargers out of the box for the 3DS and spun it uh, positively by saying well look how small the box is yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like um, here's the thing some people are disappointed because they don't feel that this is being treated as, as, as a home console and there are those that are disappointed because it doesn't feel it's being treated yeah. like as a handheld device. Here's the thing. For me, if yeah. if at whatever point I actually buy one, it's sitting in that dock and it's never leaving. Yeah, myself as well. Like, the same thing, Like I think a lot of the people who were disappointed had gotten themselves into a situation where they were expecting something from Nintendo that Nintendo were never going to bring. Like, I don't think either of us were majorly surprised the day after. Look, there are people that are still expecting with every Radiohead album that they're going to release the Benz Part 2, right? Just these things, this is not going to happen. So this is what what the major stuff that's announced for 2017. So we've gone through our our launch lineup uh, on March 3rd, but coming out later in March, we're getting Fast Racing Neo Remix which is going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, that looked real good. Uh, people got briefly very excited because they genuinely thought it was F-Zero, but we played Fast Racing Neo. That's that's yeah. good enough yeah, for me. Yeah, sure. That, that, it's one of the best games on Wii U, I think. And Tears Falls got Wipeout coming out, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, damn right. Uh, has been Heroes as well. I didn't see a lot of it. I didn't see anything with that. I don't think. Uh, same with Snipperclips. Um, I, I heard someone say that's really good. I can't remember who it was, so don't quote me on that, but I heard someone say it was really good. Uh, April 28th, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And it has what battle looks mode. like battle mode and good Proper arena, arena battle, battle mode. mode. <laughs> yeah. And new characters and new courses. Some of those courses look bananas. I'm disappointed that I'm missing out on Zelda at launch, but I'm really disappointed that I'm not going to be there for the kind of initial, initial online. Well, actually, I guess we should also talk about as well uh, the so they've gone for an online subscription service. They, yeah. They're joining the free of PS4. And, yeah. Well, we get through the we get through the oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah we get through the games okay. then we go to the because sure. that's the one thing I want to, okay. to end on. Then so April twenty eighth is Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, which I will definitely be getting. Yeah. 
Um, spring 2017, so no real kind of solid launch date for any of these. ARMS, which at first I was kind of like, this is very silly. But then I actually started watching people play it and started listening to people talk about it. And it actually seems like it's a, it's actually good fun. If that's $60. I think it is. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't think I'm buying that straight no. away for sure. Uh, and the other thing that I really like about ARMS is uh, it looked like it wasn't, but apparently uh, you don't need motion control. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Disgaea 5. Uh, then there's a game that I think I'm definitely going to buy. Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yeah. That uh, looks cool. Yeah. I'm Rhyme. good for that. Uh, I haven't looked into that. Yeah, crazy. Summer 2017. I know this one's got Mark Robinson hot under the collar. Splatoon 2. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Well, did that that segment was... I, have you watched that segment from the... No, I... Oh my God. It was delivered by a crazy person. Oh, really? Yeah. Who was in a lab coat with the new... Um, God, what are they called? Splat doolies. New guns that are in okay, it. Right. And the translator had to say splat doolies with a straight face. Now, is it... Is it and actually, he did the pose I, as well. Is it actually Splatoon 2? Yes. It's a full sequel. It's a full sequel. And it's got... I, they alluded to that it's got a proper single player campaign as well. Oh, well, the first one has a, a single player campaign. Yeah. It's just kind of half-baked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Autumn 2017, Skyrim. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to me is that it's not, not being Skyrim. branded as Skyrim Remastered. No? Like it is on PS4 Is it just Xbox called One. Skyrim Switch? I wonder, is it just a port of the PS3, Xbox 360 Probably. version? Yeah. <laughs> uh, holiday 2017, we're going to New Donk City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Mario Odyssey. That trailer is fucking great. Have you seen the guy... Have you, have you seen Mario the, walking beside the guy? Uh, well, there is that. No, have you seen the GTA 4 mod? Yes. Oh my... <laughs> But yeah, there's a city. They showed a city called New Donk City, and it's the best. And like, it looks. I I want this game plugged into my veins right now. It looks so good. I uh, um, I'm really curious to see how the fuck that just. So what it is? It, it seems that he's traveling outside his universe. Yeah, he's yeah. going to different universes. So this is going galaxy and one beyond. This is different galaxies. He's going to rather than just different planets. Yeah, no, and th- stuff. they've actually taken the plot of the Super Mario Brothers film. Yeah. and actually have taken elements of that. So he's going into and one of the worlds is New Donk City, which is a New York City parallel, and it's kind of sort of real life looking people now. And the thing that's breaking people's brains, particularly Jeff Gersman, is now that establishes the canon that Mario is not a human yeah so what is he <laughs> um that and look up that trailer because I, I oh my god pimp Bowser that's my new banner on Twitter pimp Bowser is best Bowser you know I'm actually I'm still more into Yadar Bowser from the ha, parental guidance video you, yeah is that the one where oh, which one was it the parental guidance video or was it the Mario video where his phone rings and his wallpaper is peach it's the parental guidance oh, video fucking yes yeah fucking love Bowser man uh, yeah check out that trailer like the the Zelda trailer and the Mario trailer uh, should be enough for most Nintendo fans to get on board and get excited uh, also coming out in 2017 at unspecified times Xenoblade Chronicles 2 which sure. was a good uh, trailer so cool that I was like oh, yeah. mm. uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2 that kind of, that kind of came out of nowhere yeah but again like that's looking at somewhere between 40 to 60 dollars which is just yeah. Fucking insane. But you know what? Sooner pay that much for Ultra Street Fighter 2 than Street Fighter 5 because Ultra Street Fighter 2 will work. <laughs> Minecraft, FIFA, Siberia 3, NBA 2K, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, Steep, I just want to I point- Am Setsuna, okay. and Sonic Mania. Okay, a couple of things here. Yeah. I've heard that the FIFA version is going to be off of the 360 PS3 port uh, uh-huh. version, which is hilarious. Uh, Steep is a game that requires an always online connection service. Yep. So if they want that on a handheld, they need to figure what they're going to do with that. Yeah. 
and um, I'm all up for Sonic Mania. So yeah, yeah. Sonic Mania is going to be a good time. Uh, yeah. So what was the last? The subscription service is the last thing really to get into uh, before yeah. we move on. So they're introducing a parallel to uh, Games of Gold uh, and PS Plus, and that's fine. You know, we knew it was coming. Um, if the online yeah, but it's service fine, if but, it's good. But this is the thing. That's like that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> like we knew that if the service was going to improve, we were going to have to go subscription. I'm fine with that if the service is going to be good. Initially, it sounded great when they unveiled it because right. They've brought in voice chat, and the way they've broken that away to make sure that the parental control situation is, I think it's, I think it's kind of clever. So the voice chat isn't going to be native on the console; it's going to be through the Switch app on your phone. So, like, it's the equivalent of breaking out the Skype app on it. So, I think it's it's making a solution to a problem that shouldn't exist. No, we've talked about how they should just like bite the bullet and put the fucking chat app on it but yeah. given the fact that they're not going to do that because they're terrified that although that, like you know all the pedophiles that get their that get their we use like i mean voice chat is so the as, as far removed from anything that i want anything to deal with that i don't care how they implement it so um so th- that's that's all right but then yeah it sounded cool at the start because um they said a free nes game or snes game every single month and you're like yeah boy because that is a, a hell of a library that even one of those a month and it's nice to have like a whole month to get through some sort of retro game uh, and then it kind of came out and it still has not been clarified by Nintendo at all so we don't know like we're saying this now because it seems to be the case but we don't know if it's the case that's how unclear it is and that's what's kind of worrying and considering the backlash they could probably change it considering we saw everything with the original Xbox One announcement and how they went back on yeah. half those policies um, it's, and considering the ease of it, this as well it seems as if they will reserve the right and it doesn't say every month but some months to take the game back so the way Games with Gold and the way PS Plus works is that you get your free games they're yours forever as long as you keep the subscription. So it's the incentive to keep the subscription because your subscription lapses, you're locked out of the games. Yeah. What And by keeping that library of the games, it also entices you to never lose your subscription because yeah, you're going to miss out on yeah. the games. It's a good service. Yeah. This is like, if it is true that the games will just go after 30 days, it's... And that, let's think about this, right? Let's think about this. Gamers or... I hate no gamers. Players have been burnt from the last two consoles now and the 3DS as yeah. well because they've not been able to transfer their purchases over yeah. of of games, right? Yeah. Which we know are just the actual. It's a rom. Yeah, it's a rom. right. Yeah. It's a rom. It is the fact that they are not just giving five games away every month for the next five years, which will be no skin off their. Do back you know what I think? Because the, of how healthy the yeah, back catalogue is. Absolutely. Do you know what I think is the clever move? Do you know what I think is a clever move? If you're going to do, oh, if, you, if you're going to do the where some games get taken back, why don't you do this? Because their incentive, like if you're to play devil's advocate and think about what they're doing, is they're going to give you the game, they give you the first taste for free, and then that's obviously they're hoping that you'll buy that game. Then right, problem with that is there are very few nes games or snes games that you couldn't beat in 30 days or less there is that there's right, the fact but, that i've already bought super mario yeah, world yeah. at least five times but what i was going to say was the ideal way to do it is to give you the free nes snes game and never take it back that's yours that's in your digital library but give you temporary access to an n64 or gamecube virtual console game well 
that opens up a whole other avenue. But you know of... what I mean? Like every co- every couple of months, not even every month. Like say, for example, right? Okay, so this month you're getting oh, name and link to the past, right? Sure. You're getting link to the past. That's yours forever. But also, maybe you want to try out. Um, I don't know. We'll Jet give, Force Gemini. Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, we'll give you Jet Force Gemini for a while. We'll take that back. That that's a free trial of the game as part of our subscription service. You're still getting your free game, but now you know if you want to buy Jet Force Gemini, if you like the way it looks, you can pick it up for five dollars on the store. Yeah. Now, I, do you know? Like, I'm. I still think that <laughs> taking it back and the is thing shite, is, but I think that's the way to do it. And I think what they're thinking as well is so it's. They've said that they're going to be uh, adding online functionality for these NES and SNES games. Which is cool. Which is a really cool thing. And I'm thinking that they're thinking that by adding that, that once it's gone after 30 days, oh, that's really cool, I want that back. Mm. I, I don't think it's going to make any difference. No, whatsoever. I think what they're, if they persist with that, and like you said, they could reverse it, so we don't know. <sighs> because it's going to be... I would be stunned if they it's going to be rolled out for free from launch and then from this. fall then it will be behind a paywall yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so by then they could easily have reversed it but uh, my thing is I, I think what they're going to notice is that everybody just plays the game to fuck for 30 days and they went that's fine thank no you no one and I only say this not because of the policy itself but just because we've been burnt over so many times now by not having these games that we've purchased like carry over yeah the percentage of people that are going to be buying these games for the fourth or fifth time like it, there yeah. has to be a diminishing value on this a diminishing yeah. return oh no i'm like with the exception with the very rare exception i'm done now with that because i have enough virtual console games on consoles i'm not trading yeah like off the top of my head i think the only virtual console games i bought on the wii u was mega man x um, uh and that was it because i had shovel knight and wind waker hd uh, the games i, I got earthbound and a a couple of the N64 But I think Earthbound was only released for the first time on the Wii U, I want to say. Yeah, that was its first virtual console release. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's that's different though. Yeah. So, yeah. And I never owned it on uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So that, that one I can understand. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the final thing that I want to say before we move off that and kind of do a roundup of the rest of the news is that uh, battery life is... Uh, depending on the game when it's undocked which doesn't really matter to me but it is a concern to people who want to use it for both sure. uh, depending on the game it will the battery will last between two and a half hours and six and a half hours I think it was again I love this idea that they've created this thing where they're like hey let's bring it around to a party and we can all play it for a thing that's going to have a battery life of three hours yeah. uh, so the thing that like for me the, the messaging that they've gone yeah. for and the actual hardware itself for, for me though it's got, just, like for me the console is still kind of cool because I think there is a fair to middling chance that I'm going on holidays somewhere. I'll bring it with me in my case. I won't play it while I'm traveling, but when I get to the place, it'd be cool to just plug it in, leave it on a coffee table and play it. Absolutely. I In in those kind of instances, I yeah. certainly... For the actual in transit, not so much. No, God, no. Um, I'll be I think I'll to still see... be on my Vita or my 3DS. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's an expensive piece of kit. I don't mm. feel particularly comfortable with lugging that kind of thing around, no. you know? Um, yeah, that's... Although, uh, one thing I will say that it definitely has over the Wii U is that you will be able to... And obviously, it's not an ideal situation, but you will be able to buy a replacement Switch tablet without having to replace everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. a replacement dock. Sure. Each component is easily replaceable. Uh, also, absolutely bullshit, the prices of the uh, additional docks and the uh, Pro Controllers. Uh, Pro controllers are really expensive. Absolutely shocking. Yeah, what is it? 80? 70, 80 quid. Yeah. 90 quid. Um, like <laughs> they still have their placeholder price up on Amazon today because I went. I keep checking to see if it's available on Amazon to get it. Sure. Because uh, I want that Pro controller because that's how I want to play. Yeah, of course. Um, 
and it's still up for £99. They haven't fixed the pre-order price. (laughs) No, no, because of Brexit, that's probably what it will stay at. Anyway, moving on from uh, Switch, but not too far, because uh, fans have dug up some secrets inside the map that was shown on Nintendo's Treehouse of Legend of Zelda, and they have translated, right? (laughs) See if you can follow this. They managed to translate the text that's on the map. So there's hieroglyphics on the map. Uh-huh. And they have they have translated it from the game's language to Japanese and then to English. So here's the... Skip about 30 seconds if you don't care. But this is apparently the backstory to what happens before the start of uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, that trailer... Oh. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, Hylian's past stories of a destined time long past where multiple races lived and worked together in harmony. The Sheikah tribe's blue aura breathed through the land and this mutual prosperity continued until a cataclysmic disaster struck. Bahiro and the princess attempted to seal the terror which became known as the Calamity Ganon. Divine beasts awoke from four directions and deployed a mechanical army which made the king and his people fearful. They fractured Ganon's power and sealed him but the Sheikah were banished from the land ever since. All I'm going to say is I only heard multiple racists worked in harmony and then everything else after was just lost to me. <laughs> they got the racists in to get Gannon out of there. I love that he's being referred to like it's a real kind of like old uh, f- fantasy novel lingo to call him, refer to him as the Calamity Ganon. Well, yeah, because in, um, in Sky with Sword, he was, uh, he kind of went under another name because he was like a demise. Um, yeah. So they're giving like different gimmicks to him just yeah. to... It's straight out of The yeah. Hobbit, because Smaug is referred to as the Great Calamity. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, is this, like, origin, Zelda, or, like, because I, I, that's the thing that a lot of people are interested in. Oh, where is this going to fit where on is the, it fit in the timeline? timeline? Because Skyward Sword is now, like, the origin for which the Minish Cap originally was, to which... Let's not hurt ourselves. I, I, I'll have to go up and get my Hyrule Historia book out. Let's not do that. <laughs> uh, moving on again... This was uh, quite a story. This is hilarious. The uh, joint venture between Platinum Games and Microsoft that was Scalebound, the character action headphones and dragons game, uh, has been cancelled. Mm. Um, the this went from rumor to substantiated very quickly. Mm-hmm. So like one morning last week, it came out that I think Scalebound might be cancelled, and then by that evening, Microsoft went, "Yeah, it's canned." Yeah. Um, what is going on? It made it's... all the more interesting by the fact that we only had the the near Ultimata. A demo about a week to two weeks before yeah. that released um so i wonder like are those people just going to shift over to development on that now but mm. yeah like for microsoft their kind of uh console exclusive exclusives don't look great they don't look great at the moment that like, is like even more so than ever now in 2017 what are we it's down to the, sea of it's, thieves? The back, it's the backwards compatible console yeah the sea of thieves beta is actually starting this weekend okay. there um so i'm interested um, to, so to hear i mean a lot of people were that. saying that from the last kind of footage of it it looked pretty janky uh, i wasn't that interested either way no. um and the simple fact is we still have a platinum game on the horizon in near um yeah i'm not a big uh, platinum like fanboy um but when those games hit and if they're excellent i will i'm not gonna say i'm a fanboy anymore because like they haven't done anything that's been overly interesting like i i bayonetta 2 was lost to me but still like vanquish and the original bayonetta are do i even like wonderful 101 Eh, it's okay it's a weird little game but they also made revengeance so Eh. you know (laughs) 
Yeah. Bat in a thousand. That is fucking nuts, that game. <laughs> it's a bit like, even for Metal Gear, that is bananas. It's it's a terrible game um, in a number of but ways. But yeah, like, so there's, the, the fallout of this, basically, is that Microsoft, uh, it seems, were just incredibly unhappy with the direction this game was taken. Yeah. It seems there's been a falling out between Microsoft and Platinum, and just Microsoft went, now fuck it, and killed it. Yeah. Um, which, I will say, take some guts uh-huh. um, because I think that's a much braver decision than having it come out broken which I think would be most people's inclination hey look at the end of the day when it comes to this you have developers and companies they look at the bottom line and if it's just not working for them if it's not worth it you cut it that's it yeah Um. so like it's it, it's shit because an already anemic lineup for 2017 is even worse now because we got Crackdown Halo Wars and is that it for this year or near is Sea of Thieves this year as well? Or? I think like if the beta is now, I would assume. Yeah. But I, I, it's not I don't great. know if it's... Like, yeah. we're, we're banging on about the uh, Switch, but it's not looking any better for Xbox One. Then again, they're banking I'm trying on... to think of what console exclusives... Oh, wait, no, sorry, Horizon Zero Dawn is coming out this year on PS4. That automatically is... <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. And that's out, like, next month as well. Uh, that's out around the same time as the Switch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's out at the end of March, or the start of April. Blimey. Oh... <laughs> Um, here's something I put in here. There's Final Fantasy XI news, Mark. Did you know? Did you hear about this? I can't even remember. Is that the MMO one, or is that twelve? Uh, yes. So, well, it's it's definitely online anyway. Because the reason I want to talk about this, it's nothing to do with actual Final Why Fantasy. Why do you want to talk about this? This is interesting, right? So, uh, yesterday, Tuesday of this week, as you're listening to this, um, it was announced that the servers for Final Fantasy XI are being killed off. Okay, the support sure. is stopping. Yeah, this happens. Just so, right. Tuesday which was the 17th of January. The 17th of January, 2017. You want to remember that date. Do you mm-hmm. know why? Why? Because them killing the servers for that means that finally, all these years later, the PS2 is officially dead. Oh, really? That was the last PS2 game that was still actively wow. supported online. <laughs> okay. So the PS2 is officially done now. Jesus. So that's what, like 2001 to 2017? Yeah, that's, that's nearly a 16-year run. That's fucking mental. Yeah, that's, I heard that. So that's the last game that was supported online by PS2 well, yeah, cause, that's been killed Because you get off. these interesting stories like... Um, like they were still releasing FIFA games on on the PS2 and and PES, uh, maybe not PES, definitely FIFA. Well, yeah, until the PS3, uh, PS4 get, came out. You get this interesting thing, like you had, um, like I was uh, playing through uh, Tony Hawk's Two, and then I went to play Tony Hawk's Three, and then I got confused because I didn't realize that there's a PS1 version of it, but I only remember the PS2 yeah, version. Yeah. Um, and then there's like there's a fucking. Um, we played the PS2 port of uh, TNA Impact. Uh, yeah, we did, and there's and that was like mid console generation. For there is um, there's a FIFA game for the Mega Drive that came out in like '98 or something. <laughs> you know, good times. Um, and then like uh, Halo Two, the service for that went on for years afterwards because yep. there was t- like two or three people that just kept playing the fucking game, so they kept the server up. Mm. Um, yeah, that's 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 a pretty cool story actually. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it like it's a nice little fact for the week. PS2, pretty good console. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. pretty big library. Sold sold quite a few. Quite, I was quite a fan. We got one here on the floor in front of us. <laughs> um, here's one that's uh, an interesting story. Uh, this is from Eurogamer. Developer admits we screwed it after game website exposes review blacklist threat. And this is you want to talk about um, early contender for a Konami Corner Award. 
for this year. Uh, some shady practices here by a developer. The developer of a sci-fi horror shooter recently released on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One has been caught out threatening game websites in a bid to avoid negative reviews. Badfly Interactive, which is based in the Czech Republic, released Dead Effect 2 on Xbox One and PS4 today. It launched on Steam in May last year. Uh, in promoting the game, Badfly CEO, co-founder and creative director, Lubomir Dykast, which is a great name. <laughs> That's definitely a Bond villain name. Sent emails to game websites offering review code as you'd expect a developer trying to create exposure for the game. But what you wouldn't expect in those emails is to include a threat. So I'm going to read the email now. Okay. Let me just mention one thing. This is an excerpt from the email. Let me just mention one thing, though. This is an indie game which, unfortunately, is often compared with big budget games. And that's quite a problem and very much damages its reputation in its final ratings. Please take into consideration that this game was created by a small team of developers, Eleven. who okay, just tried you to stop develop... there, you could say, all right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, who just tried to develop a good shooter game and that's about it. That's yeah. an honest plea just going like, please don't assume that this sure. is Halo. Okay. You know, that's fine. Unfortunately, a number of journalists have other, much bigger expectations from it, and that's very damaging for us eventually. Still, you're talking about uh, right, that's right on the cusp yeah. of, okay, maybe he's inferring some things here, but, uh-huh. right. okay. Also, we're working on several other games that are definitely interesting. And if your review or preview of Dead Effect 2 is very negative, you won't receive any keys from us in the future. <laughs> <laughs> like, my favourite thing about this, okay... So Dead Effect 2, I don't know if you've seen anything of it. The, the reason it's I called Dead Effect 2 is because it's basically Badfly have mashed up Dead Space and Mass Effect into one game. Okay. So Already Dead Effect. Start. Okay. okay. Um. <laughs> Just like the main character in Dead Space is Isaac. Is it Isaac Newton? Is that his name? Wait, no, no. no, Isaac Clark. Isaac Clark, yeah. that's it. Isaac, Isaac Newton and... Apple Tree. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I know it was an, uh, an amalgamation of two names. I just can't remember which ones. Yeah. Um... um yeah, like, I love that this guy is basically slapping his dick on the table like he's Rockstar or Ubisoft or something like that. It's like, you're going to go under if you can't review our games, aren't you? You know what? I almost appreciate it. It's, a, it like, it's, so a, it's, a, it's a level of brass neck that I appreciate. I mean, I really hope that someone has just responded back and gone, all right then, whatever. <laughs> Lol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay. Big Papa Gabe, Gabe Newell from Valve, did an AMA this week. Yeah, which... like, did he not remember how the last one went? <sighs> in which he... T- Wait, was was the last one the one where he was where he was mouthing off about that commentator that they fired? I can't remember if it was the last was one, great. but there was that one. <laughs> I don't know if that was an AMA or that was just him posting on Reddit. Where he just went, that dude was a dick. Probably. That was great. I love when Big Papa Gabe comes in and bitch slaps some people. But uh, he came in and did an AMA. Oh, re- by the way, recently it was revealed that Gabe Newell has uh, a greater net worth than Donald Trump, President yes, of the I United States. Yes, I did hear that, which I enjoyed. Um, he was asked it, during the AMA if they were working on any fully-fledged single-player games. He replied, yes. So people are already thinking those magic words, Half-Life 3. <laughs> my eyes are rolling so far into the back of my skull. And he said, any chance of new IP that take place in the Half-Life Portal universe? And he responded, yep. Hmm. Um, it got specific and said it's, it's going to be in that, it's going to be a single player game. It's in the Half-Life universe, which is sort of the Portal universe as well. It's a sort of shared universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, it's a parallel universe kind yeah. of thing. But uh, He also, in the AMA, funnily enough, in, um, in the in the course of the interview said uh, that he personally and it's the same with me he personally prefers Portal to uh, Half-Life yeah so do I yeah 
Um, but it, it, he stressed in that AMA, I will say before we move on, that it is a new IP, so it's not Half-Life 3. It's going to be within that universe, but a new IP. Cool. So like, don't get too excited for Half-Life 3, <laughs> for God's sake. It, Just let it die. What, what are we... Um, what are we left at now in terms of development hell or, or games that you know it's that it, I think that's pretty much it because Duke Nukem Forever came out Duke Nukem Last Forever Guardian Last Guardian FF7 Remastered is being done Final Fantasy 15 came out Final Fantasy 15 came oh, out oh um ah oh, fucking Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts 3 is the is the other one that's been because they're releasing 2.8 I was gonna say <laughs> look just round it up to 3 it's getting incrementally and get there, closer so whatever yeah so it's those two that are kind of uh, yeah. definitely Half-Life is the one that they've been waiting a little bit longer look it's just it's gonna be another first person sh- I, I, I love Half-Life don't get me wrong but it's just mm. gonna be another game where at some point there's gonna be a bridge and you have to throw an object on the other side of the bridge and it'll raise you up to a higher platform mm. alright it's half life. What three. they need is just a gravity gun simulator in VR, and everyone will be happy. I'm sure at some point someone will do that. Um, Perception. I don't know remember this. Is. So Perception is a horror game. Click on that story there and have a look at the, sure, the trailer on, on Silent for yourself. Okay. Um, so Perception is a game that was made by the former staff of Irrational Games. Oh, okay. Uh, not Ken Levine, because Ken no, Levine no, no. is still at Irrational. He's just downsized. Yeah. Um, to make smaller experiences but this is pretty much like a, a fair few of the key people from the Bioshock team have gone and this is I, I don't know if you remember the news story about it this is the horror game where you're a blind girl and all the things you see in it are from echolocation yes me the person who keeps up with all the horror but, games well this on. was at an E3 or at some big thing they showed this trailer okay I, uh, because I, I saw this trailer a long time ago and like you're walking in like a creepy house and you can see the outside That's of it because the wind is really strong and it's blowing past and it's actually like if you watch the trailer the art is beautiful the way the echolocation is showing you things oh sure like I mean, based on the sound and you have like a stick that you're tapping to the ground and it creates ripples where you can see a little bit in front of you I, I expect, which i think is a really cool gimmick for I a expect, horror game like totally in uh, tonally and atmosphere wise like people that worked on bioshock and made rapture are going to be able to do a horror game pretty well mm-hmm. so so this was i knew this this game was i think we covered it on the podcast but it might have been when you were in china that they were crowdfunding it um, and it, it, it hit its goal Maybe. anyway, or at least it hit enough for them to go forward okay. um, and work on it. And now it's coming to console. Cool. Uh, PS4 is the only one I think it's been announced for so far. I don't think Xbox One has been announced, but one would assume that one would follow the other unless Sony are funding it and that hasn't come out yet. Which there's just as much of a chance yep. that could be the case. So. Um, but it looks like a pretty cool little horror game. And as a fan of horror games, um, I'm all for the resurgence. I'm waiting on tender hooks for the reviews of Resident Evil 7 in a couple mm. of weeks because I oh, really yeah. I want that game to be good so bad <laughs> I want that to be my dying light my early game of the year that's a bit of a sleeper hit um, but you know fingers crossed anyway um, finally for this week the worst trailer ever uh, was released on um, Eurogamer dug this up so Sony PlayStation's official YouTube account will put up trailers for all the games that are coming up on the PlayStation Store, um, physically, digitally. And they found one game, and it's called Life of Black Tiger. And I watched this this morning. I said, well, how bad could it be? I've seen some badly cut trailers. I thought that's what they were talking about, that it was a badly edited trailer, or there was some bad localization or misspelling or something taking place in it that it was laughable. 
I did not think that it was going to be as bad as it was. What I was treated to when I clicked play on that was what I could only describe as a terrible PS2 game. I, when I saw... Actually, do you know what, even, looking at it, it, the draw distances are nearly PS1 levels. When I saw the name, I was expecting this to be the spiritual successor to Taifu, Wrath of the Tiger for the PS1, which was a <laughs> kind of mediocre action platforming game. Um, it looks like a early 2000s MMO. Do you know what the worrying thing that it really looks like to me? Is it looks like one of those things that Jim Sterling often goes on about, about the asset flip of, say, a Unity store or something sure. like that. And it, it it just, it reeks of Steam Greenlight. When has this been released? Um, I don't know if it has... Does a, it have... I don't know if it has an exact release date. Um, Do you think... That it, is that because is there any more? I haven't looked online to see if there's anything about it, but do you think this is just Sony getting their lols by just putting this one kind of underneath, like kind of frog fractions where you have to go hunting for it? And they're like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck Gl- is this? Glitter Mitten Grove, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. This is like, I like this. My thing about it, and the reason I want to bring it up, is that I really hope this isn't the start of a trend where the PS Store is just going to get this deluge of games that should not, should not. Like, the thing that's, the thing that PS4 Store and the Xbox One Store and even the Nintendo Store, as bad as it is to navigate, have over Steam is that they are all, all of them, much better curated. Not everything gets on there. Some fucking clangers get on there. Don't get me wrong. There are some absolute atrocities on all of those stores. Sure. But nothing the level of the muck you get on Steam, and in particular Steam Greenlight. Well, yeah. I mean, like, there's a little bit more quality control that goes in. And obviously, there's not as many games that are being developed for console as there is to to PC. You know, so obviously that itself. Because you don't really need a dev kit. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, But... I don't know. I don't know whether just Sony went, oh, you know what? Let's have a laugh. We'll just put this up. There'll there. always be muck games, but this is the kind of level, like, this was, if you watch this trailer and you watch any of Jim Sterling's coverage or Total Biscuit or anyone that's been starting this, what is becoming a really loud protest at Steam, trying to get them to actually quality control their shit, mm. um, it worrying similar similarities to a lot of asset flips yeah. that uh, were pointed out over the last yeah, couple it, of years. It just looked like a really bad early 2000s MMO. Um, yeah, not right. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the news this week. So uh, let's pop along to the book club this week. Where we're going to talk about uh, we're going way back to the N sixty four, one of my favorite consoles and one of my favorite games on that console. It's only Perfect Dark. shooter video game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64 video game console. It is considered the spiritual successor to Rare's early first-person shooter GoldenEye 007, with which it shares many gameplay features. Perfect Dark was first released in North America on the 22nd of May 2000. 
the game features a single-player mode consisting of 17 main missions in which the player assumes the role of Carrington Institute agent Joanna Dark as she attempts to stop a conspiracy by rival corporation Datadyne. It also features a range of multiplayer options, including a cooperative mode and traditional deathmatch settings. Technically, it is one of the most advanced games developed for the N64, with an optional high-resolution graphics mode, widescreen support, and Dolby surround sound. A Nintendo 64 expansion pack is required to access the game's campaign and most of the multiplayer features. Perfect dark, my friend. I'm going to presume we are talking specifically about the N64 version and not the Game Boy Color version. Yes. It is safe to say we're talking about the N64 version, or more accessible at a cheaper price for a lot of people nowadays. Uh, it is also available on the Rare Replay collection for yes, Xbox One. Yes, it is. And a damn fine port it is, and we will talk about that shortly. Sure. Where to start with Perfect Dark? So, um, if anybody is familiar with the, the era of N64, the name Rare is right at the forefront they've been brought up a couple of times on this show the first thing <laughs> i ever said i wanted to do for a living when i you know to the essays when i grow up I'm, 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 never had a clue for like when i was like six seven what i was when you still had to do those like and there's a lot of people that i want to grow up and be a nina driver i want to grow up and be a fireman and i'd be like i don't know <laughs> but i wanted to be a footballer really about six or seven really yeah Wow, we've gone different ways, because <laughs> the first thing I said I wanted to do was I specifically wanted to work for Rare. Now, I had no idea how game development worked at the time, and didn't realise there'd be maths involved, so mm, yeah. I don't want to do computer science, <laughs> what kind of bullshit is this? Um, but such was my esteem at that age for Rare that I just wanted to be involved, because it seemed like they were batting a thousand on N64, because even their, in hindsight, slightly blander experiences, like the aforementioned on the show Jet Force Gemini which I don't think is one of their all time classics I like Jet Force Gemini I like it as well it's, now. It, it's not it's, you know what I mean it's it's on the B tier of uh, their sure. N64 fair but um, Rare kind of if almost like the Nintendo seal of quality that that Rare logo on a box was an equivalent seal of quality for me on N64 well, I was going to say was yeah was operative <laughs> term so Goldeneye came out, Goldeneye was on our book club before, we talked about it, we love it. A few years later, now, I never owned, uh, or I didn't own Goldeneye, should I say, until very late in my ownership of an N64, because it was my friend down the road had Goldeneye 007, and at the time, it, because we were small kids, he couldn't own every game, so if he had it, I would just borrow it off him i would play through it and he would borrow a game of mine so i didn't own goldeneye 007 for a long time perfect dark came along and i i was excited for it i used to be a big i think i mentioned on the show before i used to be a big nintendo official magazine reader yeah yeah so, you have nice so yeah. i knew that there was this and this is my first kind of like trying to peek behind the curtain of the game industry um and I knew that there was this spiritual successor coming out to Goldeneye. I was like, well, I, I, I love playing Goldeneye. It was a lot of fun. This also brought in, like, it kept the, the, the element of secret agent and espionage and shit like that. But it also put in, like, futuristic sci-fi shit. And stuff that I only realize in hindsight, there are so many, so many references to, like, Blade Runner and mm. shit thematically in it. Uh, I, I was like, I was looking at that and I was like, it's so on board. And in retrospect it was also cool at the time 
that there was a female protagonist that wasn't overly sexualized like a certain other console mascot who we talked about on the show before lara croft um so i was excited for this game and at my 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 godmother got married around the time this game came out and my uncle who married into the family bought all his new nephews on my side of the family presents to kind of go hey i'm your uncle now and the one i got was perfect dark and i freaked the fuck out i was so happy um what is your kind of did you play perfect dark at the time did you come back to it later what where, where, uh, I was where a little bit with this i was a little bit after um so i wasn't too concerned or interested in it um mainly because uh i loved golden for two reasons one because it's fabulous but also because it was james bond yeah um so instead of going into the oh hey here's a spiritual successor to to goldeneye i went to the oh here's the world is not enough on the playstation one which mm. was a terrible game mm. <laughs> so i got burned that way uh-huh. um so I, I didn't come back to uh, i actually think it was perfect dark zero which was my first experience oh, yeah you've done that wrong yeah i know uh, a friend of mine who uh, I would get tapes of Raw and SmackDown every week. Uh, he had the original Xbox, which, you know, I still remember that controller being the size of my head. <laughs> um, and we had that, and I thought that was terrible. And he had Halo, which I thought was a little bit better. Um, so I wouldn't come back to it to a couple of years later where I grabbed a copy for the original N64. Yeah. And i got to be honest, I found it to be a bit unplayable. Um, because it suffers from some pretty bad frame rate issues. Yeah, when there's a lot. And do you know what's funny about this? This is something that you don't tend to... When it's characteristic of the time, you don't tend to notice it as much as when you come back to it years later. I didn't, so, didn't realise it was Goldeneye at the time. You know, yeah. Coming back to Goldeneye oh, now, I'm like, as well. oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Perfect Dark... Is is more guilty of this, but it's only because they it, they are really reaching for the really limits of pushing. what the N sixty four can do to the point where they packed in the expansion pack with it because yeah. it would not function without it. Um, but certainly, like going back and just the kind of opening uh, cutscene and the opening kind of uh, level of the game, certainly mm. there's a lot of Blade Runner in there. Which yeah. like Blade Runner was in a the film, sh- the Chicago mission as well with the floating cars. Yeah, like Blade Runner was in a film I didn't actually even see till about two years ago. Um, yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm almost jealous though because you you got to come to it with a sophisticated palate. You got to understand it all the first time. Like I watched it as a teenager, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, over my head. Uh, like it took a few rewatches. Um, but it's also in hindsight now where everything that I enjoy, I'm like, oh yeah, they nicked this from Blade Runner. Yeah, pretty much anything sci-fi that happened afterwards, yeah, yeah, yeah. after like 1984, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I did appreciate the the tone that they went for that kind of sci-fi futuristic setting i remember i think it was around about the time that um aeon flux came out in the cinema uh with uh shelly's that was a few years after oh that was that like, was no but there was about the time that i would have played oh yeah, Dark, yeah it was in the mid-2000s yeah, yeah yeah that was 2005 um but going back and playing the original version of perfect dark yeah. i think they kind of lined up and i remember because yeah, the, the aeon flux games were um or game yeah i never played the the game of it, it was pretty much a perfect dark reskin oh right, right. Okay, that's what enough. it that's what it looked like but i i got a vibe of that i got a vibe of that kind of sci-fi futuristic feel um yeah. but also i got a, you could feel the kind of britishness behind it as well because of joanna dark's voice and, and that Daniel Carrington. Guy. Yeah. yeah um and i appreciated that you know it's it's a game that 
feels very much kind of British because Rare in themselves feel very much like a British yeah. company, something we can be proud of. Yeah, there's um, a lot of British sensibilities to their their humor and their um, their even when there are such technical limitations back in the year of the N64, the focus on tone and aesthetic, mm. uh, which is a very kind of British cinema. Yeah, but I, I have to come to you to ask more about, what do you feel, other than obviously the the, the way that they pushed the technology as far as they could on the N64, mm. like what do you feel was really the, um, the progress and the advancements they made from GoldenEye to Perfect Dark? Okay, so, like visuals are the one you obviously go to, and... Like, even though it, it, it hitches just as bad as Goldeneye does in retrospect, even worse at some points when it's particularly hectic. Oh, the multiplayer in, in particular is yeah. absolutely unplayable. Yeah. Um, Hilariously so. Yeah, I think the, like, the their... But the level design being so expansive mm. relative to Goldeneye and the actual visual fidelity relative, like, now it doesn't seem like that much of a difference. Like, it kind of looks like six of one and a half and those of the other. Like, if you haven't played, if you didn't play those games at the time. But this game felt, at the time, it felt so big and so bright when it was supposed to be bright and dank and gloomy when it was supposed to be that. And it was... <clears throat> With Goldeneye, there was there were a lot of levels that kind of felt like, oh, it's military installation C, or it's you know what I mean that they were kind of yeah, but they were working from the source material. Well, this is what so, I'm this is what I'm saying. Yeah, like, here they had free reign. Yeah, whereas when you get to Perfect Dark, not only because there it's an original IP, but also because they are that much more used to developing for the N sixty four. We've got the expansion pack now, so they can do even more. A lot of levels feel massively different. So, um, the Chicago level, which is one of my favorites, feels completely different to say the um, the one that's at the the villa. Um, sorry, I can't offhand. I can't remember the names of some of these levels, but you know the one where you go find Daniel Carrington down yeah, in the yeah. basement. Um, so, um, that's one thing. One of the things I really love about it as well, um, especially as I get older and, and tend to appreciate these things more, is the sound design that's going on in there um, and the incredible diversity in sound design they managed to get out of, again, an N64 cartridge, uh, both in terms of the soundtrack, which, uh, according to the Wikipedia page here, and I totally see it, it was designed deliberately to sound like a cross between the GoldenEye soundtrack and the Blade Runner soundtrack. <laughs> And that is pretty much exactly, you put those two in a blender and you're getting the Perfect Dark soundtrack, which is a very, very memorable soundtrack for me still to this day. But the other thing, uh, the other side of the sound design as well, is the kind of what you call Foley art, the actual sound effects that's going on in there. And it's got one of the most satisfying range of sound effects uh, for your, like, for your weapons, like the diversity of weapons, because you can go up like from pistols to submachine guns, assault rifles, um lasers later in the game uh, and all of them have their own distinct feel and distinct uh sound like there's there are very few guns i have fired in any video game that sound as satisfying as the desert eagle magnum in that game mm. like just the fucking like a clap of thunder the boom that comes out of it um i also think <laughs> it's one of the early games that just went one of the early games I remember playing in my life that went do you know what sci-fi is silly it's very silly 
and even if we play it where the main characters your cast of characters because Joanna Dark is never really like she's not exactly a sass machine in the game but there are things happening around her a lot that are really weird like for instance some of the set like i when i was playing perfect dark here one day when we were sitting in the sit room i was cackling away at some of the uh the, the recorded voice lines for guys when they're dying like those go oh no and falls out and they're like, i don't want to die well remember like that, that. Uh, this is a time where studios were not hiring professional yeah. voice actors but even you know? then going into where you go into area 51 which is obviously like a cool sci-fi trope the area 51 thing and you rescue an alien called elvis and then it gets later and goes, have you ever gotten to the end game on Perfect Dark? I have not, no. I okay, so do you know you go to another planet on that game? Oh, do you know? Yeah, you go to the Skedar homeworld and you basically face, you you fight um, a series of what look like velociraptors with guns. Huh. You really should play the end of that game. So it becomes <laughs> Dino Crisis it's, 3. It's fucking so weird. Right. Like, it just went, like, for a while in that game, the the middle towards the end of that game is, it's, it's, having dalliances like with the area 51 shit of going yeah maybe we'll get a bit weird you go on to a a skedar ship in one really big expansive level with a lot of corridors it's very easy to get turned around in um that is very reminiscent of doom there's definitely some doom influence going on there as there is with most first person shooters in terms of like the labyrinthine design of the level um but yeah then the last level it's just they just went Fuck it, let's just go to Crazy Town. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just, you're on the skater. It's, it's so, I can't even describe it in words. It's so fucking strange. But I'm along for the ride on sure. shit like that. One of the things uh, I did notice about the game, though, is that, uh, let's be honest, um, the AI in GoldenEye is kind of simple, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, guards notice that you're there and they will start shooting, but there's no real kind of cohesion or teamwork or whatever. Yeah. And one of <laughs> the areas... Go, you are in their vision cone. Arm goes up. Gun goes out. Sure. Yeah. You can clearly see that there is advancement made in this and that the AI has come along. Yeah. They yeah. travel in packs. Yeah. And they kind of... They will try to come out of... Like, if you're in between two doors, they will try to come through both doors and kind of pincers you yeah. and trap you. And now that's kind of standard for the norm these days. Yeah. But um, for that kind of thing in the late 90s and, like, reading up um, about the the creation of this game like you know you had some of the team uh, leave end up going to make free radical design and this is kind of around the time where you know rare as we know it did start to, to this transition was, there was this pretty much the last of the great conquer conquer would have been after this would it they're around about the same time yeah so this or conquer hold on i'll, I'll look it up while you're talking um but you know like they pushed themselves to the limit uh, and and this game, because of how much they were trying to advance, like the graphics and the AI and the sound and whatever, mm. um, it's like there's the good and the bad. You know, yeah. there's the good that you got this game, but the bad that um, the team was changed afterwards. Yeah, you know, not necessarily for the better. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the last because it is once the N sixty four generation is left behind, it is a sharp drop. Um, hey look we still got Viva Piñata that's true and I fucking love me some <laughs> Viva Piñata Viva Piñata um, so but yeah so it was 2001 Conker's Bad Fur Day would have been the last one okay uh, the last of the, the great ones here so we have um, Banjo-Tooie came out after this 
which I think is still great, but it's kind of more of the same sort of thing. Yeah, I wonder if they had um, different teams working on different games, because I know that that was the case for, like, a couple of the games in the mid-90s. They had, uh, Well, like, as teams far as of... I remember, I remember reading a thing about Banjo-Kazooie when we did Banjo-Kazooie on a very early podcast, and I think that team went straight into Banjo-Tooie after Banjo-Kazooie. Because remember, they had the, the stop and swap thing where they were going to have the two games link up, so they yeah. had already started designing yeah, Banjo-Tooie yeah, yeah. before Kazooie Because they had, like teams of four or five working on one game and why teams of four or five working on another which is fucking yeah. insane when you think about it now mm. um yeah and i i think it's a case of maybe if um they'd had another year with perfect dark that they could have maybe sorted out the frame rate issues and and, and you know figured out how to or maybe they couldn't maybe yeah. they were just like well, limited to what they what, could do because considering they had to use the expansion pleasantly the now thanks to the xbox uh, the XBLA release of it on Xbox 360 and now the rare replay version that's touched up even more we do have what I think is the best representation the of the great version. work that was done the definitive sure. version for now um, like I still have my original cart of Perfect Dark and wouldn't trade it for all the world but if I'm going to play Perfect Dark I'm probably going to play it on Xbox One now just because they have re- they actually really did a good job polishing that game up for a port and I've talked about it on the show before um, a really really good job um, and if you're going to go play that game if you haven't played Perfect Dark before that's the version I'd recommend you go oh, get yeah, yeah. Yeah. especially if you already have an Xbox 360 or Xbox One uh, makes perfect sense to go get that perfect sense see what I did there I see I see what you did there um, well but just to go in and talk about the critical reception to the game before I um, mm-hmm. do my elevator pitch uh, game rankings give this a score a cumulative score of 95% Metacritic give it 97% Edge give it 9 out of 10. 5 stars from GamePro. Game Revolution A-. GameSpot 9.9 out of 10. Fucking hell so close. IGN 9.8 out of 10. N64 Magazine uh, 96%. Nintendo Power 9.6 out of 10. The Electric Playground 10 out of 10. And GameCritics.com gives it a 9.0 out of 10. Um, So it it was definitely, I remember that at the time, just being praised as this is like among your desert island games on an N64 mm. uh, for a lot of people really really love that game and uh, my elevator pitch for it is it's simply one of the best first person shooters of its generation um the original native N64 version doesn't hold up as well but if you can get yourself the XBLA or rare replay version of that please do um it's also interesting if you in if you are curious about the history of rare if you're curious about the development of the history of first person shooters because goldeneye is the it's the landmark one of its generations the one everybody still talks about but this is the first one the first game that came out after it that directly tries to iterate on the things that were done so you get to see even over the course of one generation it's fascinating sometimes to go back and see what people were doing towards the start of the generation with GoldenEye and towards the end of the generation with Perfect Dark kind of in the same way that games that came out uh, like say Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 3 or Uncharted 1 to The Last of Us that was the same generation and it's astonishing to see how far things come Uh, so that's my elevator pitch for that Uh, it's a very good game go play it you really should and it's a banging soundtrack uh that leaves us with one little bit of business left to do uh mark you are to pick the game for episode 51 roses are red violets are blue tony hawks pro skater 2 <laughs> oh we're going way back so i'm gonna watch you play some of that am i again it was one of those games where i had oh, to actually it might not be me next week hmm 
We'll talk about this off the air. Okay. I'm depending on our schedules. I may not be on next week's episode. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, no, I had to like re- remind myself again. There's like, have we actually covered this one or not? And we haven't. Um, yeah. yeah. Tony Hawks. We'll talk about that. Cool. So that is gonna do it for episode fifty of Link to the Cast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, there are a lot of different ways to do that. So linktothecast.eu is the website. That's where the show notes for the podcast get posted. We, we post some articles there sometime. All that good stuff. That's the website. Social media is the best place to catch us on. Get some fresh and sick updates when stuff is going up. It's facebook.com forward slash linktothecast or at linktothecast on the tweet machine. Um, linktothecast at gmail.com is the email. If you want to drop us an email, tell Mark he, he, he has uh, some dulcet tones on him when he speaks into the microphone um any sort of shit like that uh twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast is where we do some streams from from time to time and that stuff gets put up on our youtube channel search for link to the cast on there and search our account we're one of the top search results now for that uh we've i think we successfully fended off Anne robinson uh when you search for link to cast (sighs) we search for it all one word we definitely come up first isn't she dead by now no sadly i don't think she can ever die um not by conventional means anyway um but the, that Twitch schedule, so we, we have some streams that go up fairly regularly. We're just getting back into the swing of things now. This will be our probably our first week with a f- sort of full mm, schedule. Kind of, yeah. uh, because thanks to our internet, I missed my, my stream last week. But our uh, weekly schedule is on Mondays. Uh, is Mark on Monday? And that's the... Uh, that's the solo stream that young Mark Robinson does here. Mark, what are you playing at the moment? Uh, I'm playing jazz punk. Yeah. Um, but this week was a bit of a disaster because A, Jazzpunk doesn't have an autosave feature. Oh, great. Uh, and B, I don't know whether it's the the file, particular file that I'll down, I downloaded, but the game feels a little bit broken. The sound mm. keeps cutting in and out and Ooh. the controls feel delayed at certain points Ooh, with that's not good. no kind of rhyme or reason. Not in that sort of Octodad weird kind of way, but in a yeah, no, not this deliberately bad. Out. So I think I need to reinstall the game. We'll see what's going on there. But um, this week's uh, second instalment was a bit of a disaster. So. Have you gotten to the bit? The, the bit that sold me on a that it was on an incredible deal on the PSN over Christmas. Uh, the bit that sold me on it was a clip that Barry shared of him uh, where there's the where he's handing in his badge and his gun and his gun badge and his badge gun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. I need to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly like, it's like an episode of Animaniacs. Yeah. What I, it felt like. That bit, I was just like, or Freakazoid. What is going on here exactly? Or actually, it reminded me very much of, you know, Muppets Most Wanted. Sure. Where uh, Sam the Eagle and Ty Burrell are having mm-hmm. the, the badge off. Yeah. And James McAvoy arrives with the giant package with a huge badge in it. It's an interesting game and it? it just, it has these kind of individual set pieces that are all kind of connected together in this haphazard yeah. way and each one is just like what, whatever about the performance the writing here? in it seems fantastic yeah and there's this um kind of dry british uh sort of tone to it that is like some of the voice acting like is it kind of uh you imagine the game being narrated by richard ayoade kind of you feel like somewhere along the lines matt barry matt barry's had his yeah. hands on this <laughs> um, excellent yeah uh, Tuesday is the day where a retro book club will generally go up. We get, we will get back on that quite soon. Yeah, I need a couple of hours to get the Start rest of them sorted a few out. Of those. So, yeah. <laughs> That'll be a fun weekend for you. Boy, having this whole 40 hours a week doing a real life job again. Wednesday is Link to the Cast Plays, which we should put up. Yeah. If we haven't put that up yet. It, yeah. is, it is recorded. It is on private <laughs> on YouTube, I think. 
uh, so we should put that up. Sorry, we're just we're still getting back into the swing of things here, and we've got a new schedule for when we record things. Uh, thanks to Mark being awkward, so uh, bear with us. We'll we'll get into the swing of things very quickly. Thursday is the podcast. Um. Oh, by the way, on links to the cast plays on Wednesdays, we are still doing Down with the Witness. I'm still suffering through the Witness. You had a particularly vexing episode, a couple of episodes Dave, last week. You and say this week. that every single fucking episode. Yeah, it's getting worse. It is. Do you know what I actually it's saw? Get worse before I it gets saw better. a description of the Witness that I thought was very good this week, which is like it's the closest to a human to being a human being, but also feeling like a lab rat. You will ever yeah make. sure like it you feel like you're butting your head against the wall of the maze and there's like looming figures after we finished last week's uh stream i just went on twitter and i was like like the witness is the only game where it, it there's this kind of graph that goes up and down and like you constantly feel like a genius and an idiot yeah, yeah. like you feel it's so dumb but then when you oh, solve it the satisfaction is unbelievable but the satisfaction doesn't last long no. enough to really oh, save you're it. chasing the dragon oh, for so long man. in that game um yeah thursday is a podcast is the only thing that gets released that day enjoy allows you to enjoy it uh in its entirety friday is friday of plays that's a solo series where it's just me talking to myself as i play through a game and i am going back this week starting to play life is strange again um haven't played that in a few weeks but i'm gonna bank a few episodes because i'm gonna be away next week um and really looking forward to getting back into that little gem of a game that uh barry who was on our game of the year podcast the barry lad on twitter a good lad assures me uh gets even better than that so Woof. I'm very much excited to get back on board with that so that's going to do it for this week link to the cast uh i've been dave ryan at dave ryan i've been on the tweet machine the man over there mark robinson at lithium project on the tweet machine that's me and we shall see you all sometime down the road good night